want to tell you about one of our partners, Quetzal Education Consulting. Quetzal Education Consulting is a queer, black, and indigenous women-owned firm offering anti-racist consulting, PD, coaching, keynotes, workshops, and more. Their newly released Abolitionist Teaching Workshop series coaches and prepares teachers to further develop abolitionist practices in the classroom. Find out why they have been called The Future of Educational Justice by Dr. Bettina Love. You can book a free consultation with Quetzal by calling 510-397-8011 or visiting quetzalec.com. That is Q-U-E-T-Z-A-L-E-C.com. And if you mention you heard about them through Two Dope Teachers, you will receive a 5% discount on their Abolitionist Teaching PD series. Once again, you can book them by visiting quetzalec.com on their Connect With Us page. exist as far as I can tell. It has been a hellacious summer. Um, I just want to thank everybody who's hung with Tudo Productions over these last couple of months. Uh, we've lost a good number of patrons, uh, which is understandable. We haven't created a lot of content lately. Um, at some point, Kevin and I will get on here. We'll talk a little bit about what we've been working on and kind of what's happening, um, you know, in Two Dope World. Two Dope World will continue, um, but things are a-changing. Um, if you are listening to this, you probably already subscribed to the Two Dope Teachers and a Mic podcast with me and Kevin Adams. You can also also check, um, check out the exit interview with Asia Lyons and Kevin Adams, who highlight the stories of black teachers who uh, left the classroom or forced out of the classroom and what they are doing now. Um, in fact, we have an episode dropping this Wednesday with Dr. Jeanette Patterson. Incredibly enlightening story, powerful, um, and a testament to, um, to her toughness and brilliance. Bro, there's a lot to talk about. Um, and, you know, I'm sort of recovering from a couple of Supreme Court decisions that a lot of you have been posting about. I want to thank everybody for uh, helping me become educated and to really understand positionality, my positionality as it relates to this. But, you know, I'm just here to say that um, it's extremely disappointing and we need to act and the ballot box is probably the most direct way to act, but, you know, I'm open to other options because things are a mess. Um, I'm going to be processing some of this stuff, and hopefully um, in a week you will hear another episode of Habitually Disruptive where where I'll start unpacking some of this stuff. Um, so it's, it's, a, it's a wild summer already, um, made even wilder by my continued search for work. Um, I'm in a very vulnerable situation. I've been assured that I will be employed when my contract ends in 34 days. Um, so, so I've been emotionally, it's been really challenging and it's, and it's why my engagement has been so off this spring and, uh, why the podcast has kind of become irregular, but hopefully we can start getting things back on track. But just want everybody to know, um, that that's kind of affecting my moods and my motivation and my willingness to get in front of the mic and, and do this stuff. Because frankly, sometimes it just feels like, uh, folks don't want to hear, they're not interested in what I want to say. Um, if they were, uh, maybe I'd have a job. I don't know, uh, but we'll get there. It'll be okay. Um, I'm super excited for this episode. I've been sitting on it for such a long time that this individual's uh, circumstances have changed. I got a chance a few months ago to sit down with my favorite professional basketball player. Yeah, no, not Jokic, not Murray, not Sue Bird, not uh, Tina Charles, not any of these, not Candace Parker even. But Lake and James, 
So uh, those of you who know me know that I love sports. Um, I always have, as as a, especially as a fan and as an adult, I've tried to get smarter about sports. Coaching soccer really was extremely important for me because I realized that the social-emotional health of my athletes was more important than literally anything else that I was attempting to work on. And so I'm on Twitter a few months ago, and um, and this tweet surfaces um, that's titled, How I Felt When I Lost My Starting Position. And at the time, um, my own child, who's a soc- who uh, played soccer for years and years, was struggling with her relationship to the game um, in light of the way we do sports in the United States of America. And something told me to just open the file, and it was uh, it was a blog post um, by a pro basketball player named Lakin James. Uh, Lakin is from the United States, from Wisconsin, um, played at the University of Wisconsin at Green Bay, and eventually went pro to play in Europe. Um, the story she tells of her benching was during her time at the University of Wisconsin Green Bay, and I believe it was against Notre Dame, and you know they they lost this game. Notre Dame, very very uh, successful program, an elite women's basketball program, um, and they had played them tough, and she had felt good about their their effort, and then she learned that she was benched. She went through the um, sort of description of the of the emotional spiral she she went through um, because here she is playing Division One basketball. This has been her whole goal. She puts in all the work, um, and you can see it if you watch her play that she's got the skill and the strength and the conditioning and all of it. She's a very good player, and she talks about the tailspin that this put her into. So, um, Lakin also has taken her experience and used it to sort of disrupt the way that we run basketball camps and the way that we coach. Um, so she brings young athletes together and she builds them up emotionally as well as with their skills and their athleticism. And, you know, it, it was so refreshing to hear that there are athletes and people who are really successful in athletics doing this kind of work and saying, no, actually it's not just about being more cutthroat than everybody else. It's not about always wanting to be the best, the best of the best. It's not always about just like pushing yourself to your physical limits. Sometimes it's about strengthening yourself mentally and, and emotionally. And Lakin's very young. Um, and, you know, the, the insights that she has arrived at, at at this young of an age, it took me a while to get there as a coach. I was probably approaching my, I was in my 40s when I kind of realized that, you know, winning isn't the only thing. Winning isn't the most important thing. It is important. You should go out there and compete and try to win. Um, but your entire existence as a human being shouldn't hinge on whether somebody thinks you are successful. So I just really enjoyed this conversation with Lakin. We have a couple of uh, possibilities. We'll be talking to other big names in uh, sports. And I really view, you know, the, you know, a lot of you are probably hoping to hear something about education or political activism. But the thing is, being disruptive is something you can do um, in any space that you are. If you are questioning the foundational assumptions that you make about what you're doing, if you are slowing down the uh, the 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 train, a speeding train that's headed in the direction of self-destruction, and you are slowing it down by asking questions and examining things that others haven't examined, then you're a disruptor. That's just how that is. And um, I'm very excited to bring you Lakin James. Um, since we talked, Lakin has left uh, the new Cal the Caledonia Pride in Scotland, and will be returning to Germany. Um to play professional basketball there. So um, I'm hoping to continue to promote Lakin's work and just checking in with her. I think you're really going to enjoy this conversation. Um, so stay with us as I, Gerardo Munoz, your 2021 Colorado Teacher of the Year and Habitual Disruptor, sits down with professional basketball player Lakin James. Yo, what's up, Disruptors? Um, so it gives me great pleasure to introduce to you somebody that I'm actually seeing more or less in person for the first time ever, but we've had a couple of conversations. I want to introduce to you professional basketball player in Scotland for the Caledonia Pride. Is that right? That's Good. perfect. <laughs> I remember things. 
Um, <laughs> and also uh, the founder of five of, uh, of the five star basketball program, Lakin James. How are you, Lakin? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thanks for being here. We we were gonna do this, and then I was like, "Yo, some things opened up. Can you get on?" And you're just so flexible, and it is amazing. So, so first of all, uh, tell tell the people where you are. Okay, so right now I am in Edinburgh, Scotland. So it's one of the bigger cities in Scotland. So I'm enjoying this big city life for the first time ever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and is this is this your first season playing there, or were you? Were you there previously? This is my first year uh, in Scotland, but I spent my previous two years in Germany, actually. Yeah. And I remember talking to you before that like Scotland is kind of cool because you speak the language <laughs> and that makes it a lot easier. <laughs> it's uh, qu- quite more enjoyable. Yes. <laughs> no, man, this is this is something I've only read about because I was a mediocre athlete that's never been able to travel for my sport. And um, that piece of just the language barrier, it's, it's like I hear a lot of athletes laughing it off, but that's like really hard. <laughs> Definitely. I think it's like you realize it more in places like a restaurant or when you go to the grocery store. And I mean, I'm a very social person, so I would just make small talk like, oh, as I'm grabbing like bananas, you know, say, oh, hey, how are you? But it's like you almost don't want to insult them, assuming they know English. Right, right. So it's just. And that's like that's like the most American thing to do. Right. Is to go to some other country and just start speaking English to people. (laughs) Exactly. Amazing. I'm like, yeah, you don't want to insult. Or I didn't want to insult anyone. So I was just more to myself. Yeah, definitely. And as, as a fellow outgoing social person, that would be very tough for me. Um, so I, we're going to get into Lakin's story and kind of the disruptive perspective that I think she brings um, in a little bit, but I'll talk a little bit about how we connected. Uh, found you on Twitter. Twitter is this vast wilderness that I think it's I think I actually think Twitter is perfect. Like I think Twitter is where people go to yell and, but also get connected. And I've met like some really, really amazing people on Twitter. And uh, so we had a, we had a phone conversation a little bit after the, after we connected, but you'd written this piece that we'll talk about a little bit about losing your starting position um, and how that affected you psychologically. And that was something that just resonated really deeply with me as a former coach and I was just so curious about it. And so you got kind of got into that story. Um, really gifted writer. I think you have a lot of um, potential for when you're done you. playing the game. Um, <laughs> because as it turns out, I guess one can't play professional sports forever. Um, it's weird. I know. <laughs> it's, un- it's like, yeah, I don't know what it is. Um, something like father time is undefeated, right? Um, <laughs> like but that. you've also founded the Five Star Academy. And that's something we definitely want to want to talk about. So, um, so first let's talk a little bit about basketball. Um, what a lot of folks don't know, and I think people are starting to learn this as they listen, is that even though soccer is where my expertise is like basketball is my first love. Like I grew up in East Denver and there was an outdoor court with one of those 20 fit, 20 foot chain link fences around it, little chain nets, you know? Absolutely. Um, yeah. And, uh, we called it the cage and, and that's where we played pickup. I was 10 playing against like 18 year olds and it was just so I basketball is just such a fun game um how did you get into basketball what was the game for you as you were you were a young athlete um I would say I started I have an older brother and of course when you're going through um your elementary school days you're dragged to every single tournament yeah so I went to (laughs) (laughs) we can all relate I already and where did you grow up tell people where you grew up Uh, So I grew up in Oconto, Wisconsin, but um, easier said, probably Green Bay um, in Wisconsin. So 30 minutes from there. Okay. But um, yeah, so I was going to all my brother's tournaments and I was really having fun. And I was like, I want to play basketball. Like he plays basketball. I want to play basketball. So I I convinced my parents, of course. And I was like, can I join the school team? And they're like, you're in third grade. There's not a school team. <laughs> like that's not a thing. You're like, of course there's a school like, team. Like, what? I was like, why is why do there? we have a mascot if we don't have a team? <laughs> I'm in third grade, it's time. Like, <laughs> but, so after they broke that news to me, they actually spoke with like the there's a fifth grade team. And they're like, can Lakin play in practice with you? Like she's really interested. Like, 
she practices a lot. She likes the game. So I actually, yeah. So I got to play with the fifth graders. Um, And then the following year, my parents were like, well, we don't want to keep stepping on toes if people are like not okay with you playing up. So they actually created a team my fourth grade year. So we had our first team. So then all the way through middle school, my parents were my coach. So it was kind of like that your love grew with your family type thing. So the game. So y'all were like a basketball family, like straight up, right? Well, yeah, we were in a sport family. I kind of okay, turned it family. into, yeah, I kind of turned <laughs> the love into basketball. You're like, you just wait. There's too many sports happening here. I think we need yeah. to streamline. <laughs> yeah. I was like, can we just all agree on this? <laughs> but yeah, so that was kind of, um, I was naturally gifted when I was younger. Um, and I wanted to make sure that I always like, as humbly as possible, but like stayed above the curve. Like I didn't yeah. want people to catch, I didn't want people to catch me. Yeah. Um, so that was something that I definitely focused on as a kid because yeah. <laughs> I, I knew I had a little bit of an edge and I didn't want to lose it. So yeah. I think that kind That's of inspired cool. me too. How yeah. much of that? It sounds like there are two kind of ingredients to that disposition. One is just having an older brother who played the game. And then the other is being this little third grader, you know, running around with fifth, fifth graders. Like, I feel like those would yeah. <laughs> feed that fire like a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. And just, I grew up in, like I said, 30 minutes from Green Bay. And that was like, um, my dream college too. So they had a successful team there. So I think it's always cool um, when you're able to model after you can see what you want to become. And Mm. I had that 30 minutes from my house. So kind of a mix of all of it just kind of inspired me to keep going. Yeah. That's amazing. And it's, it's interesting because you talk about this kind of what I envision is this tenacious young player who's always working really hard and always looking for ways to improve your game. Um, having watched you on a couple of the games and you can watch the Caledonia pride, the official uh, professional basketball team of the habitually disruptive uh, podcast. There's, there's no money being exchanged. Just don't, don't get ideas people. Um, but having watched you play, you do have that kind of disposition that, you know, you work hard at the things that other people don't always work hard at. Um, you hit the gym hard. Like you're always one of the strongest people out there. And it's just like, I think I, I think I texted you at one point, like, do you get tired? I don't think you came out of that game. <laughs> and so I thought that was pretty impressive. So it's just interesting to hear you talk about this and then having seen you play, it's like, yeah, oh, yeah that's, that's on brand. Like, absolutely. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm happy it like lives up to it, you know? <laughs> Absolutely. It does. So you, um, so, so the dream of playing, this was at the university of Wisconsin, Green Bay. Correct. All right, cool. So, um, so the dream came true. You were able to go and play there. So tell me a little bit about that process of, you know, because I think that, and you're probably really aware of this, but there's a certain age, particularly in girls sports, where things really change quickly. Um, You go from, you know, as a younger athlete, the whole world is in front of you. Like you can do whatever, like literally everybody on your team is going to be on on the Olympic team, right? Like there's, everybody has that sort of focus. And then I remember talking to my daughter and someone on her team, on her soccer team said, well, none of us is going anywhere with this. So let's just have fun. And I feel like that was a really critical moment because this girl had kind of given voice to everything that her teammates were anxious about and didn't want to say. So as you kind of hit that point, what, where was your mind in terms of the game as it became clearer and clearer that, that you could actually do the thing that you've wanted to do since you were little? I think it was, it came in multiple steps where kind of like what you said, it's like where all of a sudden you realize. So like, I always told my parents, like, I just want to play college basketball. Like I said, I don't care what level, I mean, and it's not a knock on anything, but like, I didn't care if it was D3, D2, D1. Like I just, I just wanted to play college basketball. Yeah. Yeah. And so that was, that was always my goal. And then I entered the high school varsity levels. And then I was like, oh, I think I can have a little higher goal here. Like I was Mm -hmm. getting like love from the D3 schools, like already as a young kitten. Yeah. So I was like, okay, well, let's be real. Like, and like your dream is to play at green Bay. Let's just put it out there. And that's what we're going to shoot for. Wow. So like, yeah, so that was just kind of 
known. Um, that's what I wanted. That's what I was shooting for. Um, so I went through that whole recruiting process and I was really fortunate, like going into my, so it would have been the summer going into my senior year. I was starting in the AU circuit. I was starting to get like quite a bit of attention from like these division one schools. A lot of them. And for the folks that are unfamiliar with, because I've realized that yeah. youth sports, they're, they're, it's like, you know, you, t- you talk about the multiverse theory. Like, I feel like youth sports are a multiverse, like, like watching yes. like these young, uh, these like young AAU players and there's like three digit numbers. And that confuses me as a soccer person where the highest number I usually see is 22. <laughs> so, <Right>. so explain <laughs> to the people kind of what AAU is and why it's so key to, to get connected there if you're trying to advance to that next level. Yeah, for sure. So like AAU basically is just like a summer showcase for basketball. Um, you'll join an AU team and then you travel usually like quite far, like to go to these big tournaments and college coaches are in the stands watching. Yeah. So it's just no a pressure. platform. Yeah, right. Exactly. Not, <laughs> but it's just like, a they all have clipboards. For- <laughs> like, hmm. and, and then if they're writing something, you get worried. <laughs> yeah. If, if they're yeah. writing, you get worried. If they're not writing, you get worried. <laughs> like, if they leave, if they leave, <laughs> they leave that's oh God, that's gotta be so painful. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh man. Well, I don't think that was enough. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So basically like I went into that uh, summer and I kind of knew like, this is, you know, this is when I have to showcase what I have and whatever. So I started to thankfully start getting attention from these schools. And I ended up getting, I think it was seven offers um, from wow. like from schools. Yeah. And I went through the entire AU circuit and I left all of these schools, like basically with a maybe mm. because I was waiting for my call from Green Bay and like they hadn't shut the door on me. So I didn't want to shut the door on them. And I mean, realistically at the end of AU, it is what it is. Like that's your answer. Right. But it must've felt kind of affirming just to be like, well, I have all these offers. So worst comes to worst. I will land somewhere. Right. Yes. Yeah. And I don't know if this is a good or bad thing, but a lot of these offers were in the same conference. So I knew I'd be coming to Green Bay at some point. (laughs) Yes. That little extra motivation. (laughs) Just in case it didn't work out. (laughs) Yep. Exactly. So so on brand for you. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It just fits perfect, doesn't it? I'll I'll turn disappointment into motivation and I'm going to, I'll flame (laughs) this entire gym. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Um, so yeah, going back to like the AU season, I had my last tournament and like the coach literally called me the coach at green Bay. Um, and he was like, we're coming to this tournament basically solely to watch you. And I was like, you're like, okay. You're like, great coach. (laughs) Sounds great. Yep. (laughs) Can't wait. (laughs) So had the tournament, I performed well. And all of a sudden I'm at home, um, after the tournament and I get a call from my high school. And it was like our secretary and it's like August. So I'm like, that doesn't make sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're like, hey, can we release your transcripts to Green Bay? And I was like, oh, transcripts, that's like the real deal. Yeah, I was like, yeah. (laughs) So (laughs) like five minutes later, after I get that first phone call, I get like a phone call from Coach Forseth at Green Bay. And he's like, hey, Lakin, like we watched you play this past weekend. Um, We liked what we saw we would like to offer you a scholarship. And then I sat there in silence (laughs) and he's like, you saved me. He's like, would you like to accept? And I was like, yes. (laughs) I'm just like, hello. Are you, is is anybody there? (laughs) Did you like like what we just said? Um, (laughs) But like, it was, it was just such one of those like really special moments. I mean, like I started crying. So it was just like this, moment of like everything built up to this moment and it was it was special because it's like this is where I'm going to spend the next four or five years and I didn't even talk to my parents I'm still on the phone and I accepted a scholarship before saying anything to anyone (laughs) I was like oh by the way literally you the coach and the secretary might have had a little bit of an inkling that something (laughs) big was happening (laughs) 
<laughs> right. So it was just, yeah, it was such a crazy moment. I still like, I'll remember it forever. Cause it was like, wow. I received an offer and accepted it 30 seconds later. So that's amazing. I just well, knew that's you received what I wanted. It, and like, I mean, don't bury the lead. You received the offer five minutes after releasing your transcripts. <laughs> like, yes, it was yes. just kind of like, like, like they're, they were absolutely checking a box at that point. They're like, okay, we just got to make By sure this is a person that will go to class and pass their classes. <laughs> yes. Yes. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. So, so you go, you, you play, uh, and uh, just for, we have some, we have some, uh, you know, sports heads that listen to the show. Uh, what, what positions do you play? Did you play like all over or where, where were your preferred positions as a young player? Um, as a young player, I was definitely always a point guard. Yeah. Um, I think I went to a small school, so I think a lot of the weight had to be on my shoulders and then yep. in the basketball world it makes yep. the most sense for that to be on a point guard's shoulders yeah. so considering that my denver nuggets do not currently have a point guard on the roster mm-hmm. who is healthy uh yeah i, I can see where that you understand you understand <laughs> so so you played the point um and and that's that's always like that's like you say so many things that um have to be dealt with i remember see i forget which WNBA player was that I was watching sort of talk about, you know, playing, playing the point guard because they're kind of like, yeah, it's like, it's not enough to just know the plays. Like you have to be able to Mm -hmm. do the calculus and figure out, okay, this is happening right now in this situation. So I need to run this action and get people doing this other thing. And it's just that kind of, um, you have to be like smart and educated and in the moment and creative at the same time. Yes. Yes. Man. Yeah. I think a lot goes into it. Definitely. Yeah. It's kind of like being a teacher actually. Um, sorry, I'm on this thing on Twitter, just getting mad that people don't respect what teachers do. So I, I just had to, I had to shoehorn that in one way or the My other. My mom's a teacher. So don't oh, worry. Oh, there you go. What's she teach? <laughs> math. Eighth grade math. math. Good for her. Eighth grade math. Yes. Yo, that's the realist. I have an eighth grade advisement and they are petty, but also amazing. <laughs> like a they're so petty. Eighth graders are so petty. I love that. Yeah. All right. So, so dream comes true. You're able to kind of go into um, into playing this Division One program, right? Division One. Yes, correct. That's what I thought. Yeah, I've seen them in the NCAA tournaments at points and yeah. that kind of thing. So, yeah. So, how would you describe your collegiate career? A, a roller coaster. Yeah. <laughs> An absolute roller coaster. Um, filled with so many amazing, incredible moments, but then also the other side of it too, where really challenging and really difficult at times. Yeah. So this is kind of where, where I picked up your story, right? Um, You wrote this piece about this experience of being benched. Um, And the, the piece is so powerfully written um, because you really do paint this, picture of what happens to your emotions just in in the in the scope of um of of a of a single game or a single couple of days stretch like that's what it really was it was just it feels like it was about three days total where all of this happened so you played Notre Dame right yes and you felt you had played really well like it was a tough game there were some things that didn't go perfectly but you felt kind of encouraged Did, did I read that right so Leading up to that point, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, leading up to that point, like I had earned myself a starting spot uh, as a redshirt sophomore. Yeah. Um, and coming off of two really difficult years, as I read, had redshirted my freshman year, I didn't really play Was it play like an my... injury redshirt or was it just that your first year, you're not going to play this year? Complete understanding of I wasn't going to play. <laughs> okay, gotcha, gotcha. So, yep. You're yep. like... So then... I'll take Great. that fifth year. Yes, I've it. put I've put all of this work so that I will not play for a full season. <laughs> you hit the nail on the head right there. Yes. <laughs> yes. So I spent those first two years, the redshirt freshman and then the actual freshman year, um, not playing. So I had spent all this time getting myself ready for the sophomore year. Yeah. And I did it. Like I wow. physically prepared myself. I came to preseason like that. I think I've got you frozen. 
Okay, I think it cut out. Are we you, good? Yeah, you froze. So yeah, we'll we'll just okay. do that part again. This is the, I learned how to edit like weirdly, so this is good. <laughs> so take it back to you had done all the things you'd gone into preseason, and then that's preseason. Where's where okay. I lost you? Okay. Okay. Um. So yeah, then I did everything that I needed to in the preseason and earned myself a starting spot. So it was really, really like inspiring and like felt really good that all that empowering because this is like the second time yeah. you set a goal and and it paid off and it and it and it got you to where you wanted to be in that moment exactly and just to feel like the sacrifices were worth it kind of a thing yeah, yeah. um so I went into that year and I played six games and that's what leads us to the Notre Dame experience yes. so I started started against the number one team in the entire country and I played, I think, five minutes, six minutes. So I started, made a mistake, and never basically went back in. Oh. So, like, it was so taking all of the wind out of my sail. Like, it was such a moment where I was like, oh, now what? Oh, my gosh. Like, whatever. And then as an athlete, you have to be able to bounce back. So yeah. I was like, I'm going to put that game behind us. We almost won. I mean, how yeah. cool is that moment? So yeah. there's a lot to take away from that game. And it's a team sport. So you got to go to practice the next day. It is what it is. Be ready to go. Yeah. And then I go to practice and I realize like, I just got asked to turn from black to white. And I was like, really? <laughs> and I know I what like, that means, but, but explain that yeah. for the audience. Yeah. Oh. So, yeah. So, I mean, obviously if you have your black team, maybe that's your starters and then your white team is your subs or the scout team in the moment. Mm -hmm. So I got asked to flip over my Jersey, which then means a different teammates flip their Jersey over to black. Mine's now white. And I'm like, did that just happen? Did all of my work from the whole summer, everything that just happened preseason, everything like, did it, really just leave and I could just feel myself like in that moment lose all my confidence I like it was so I mean I'm not one to show emotion during practices yeah. <laughs> because oh, I just yeah. believe like you have to be able to separate those I mean yeah. at the end of the day there's st still kind of like a business right yeah so but the moment I left <laughs> that court and I found myself in the locker room at home I like allowed myself to feel those emotions and I was just devastated. Um, yeah. It was a really hard moment for me. Yeah. That it's interesting because what you talk about um, echoes something I read in this biography of Anson Dorrance, who established the university of North Carolina soccer program. And this is a guy who's been framed in a lot of really polarizing ways, but there is one of the athletes uh, talks about the casual way that she was just asked to put on a penny. And it was kind of like, okay, so that means I'm no longer in the first unit. And that means right. that I may not have actually even get into the next game. And, you know, that kind of casual way of doing it and that sort of in the moment, that's, that's what it echoed for me when you sort of yes. talked about it. And, you know, I, I want to say that one thing that has been just kind of fun getting to know you is watching your games and, you know, the last couple of, I might be bad luck also, because the last couple of games you have not gotten the dub, um, right. but you, you still have that perspective of, yeah, you, you lose a game, things don't work out and you just go back to work. And I think that's such an important life lesson. So this is something that is, that is clearly in your DNA, like the willingness to yeah. say, all right, it's different. But I guess as the younger generation would say, this incident seemed to hit different for you. It <laughs> different. It did. Um, I think it was just a buildup of like, I had the disappointment of having to red shirt. I had the disappointment of not playing that next year, yeah. but I kind of felt like a moment that you said though, like I arrived, I was starting. Yeah. I did this. Like it was um, like, I'm living my dream. Like yeah. I'm at UW Green Bay. I did it. Yeah. And then all of a sudden it was like, just like you said, yeah. casually, just ooh, maybe not. Yeah, yep. this is the door. So, you feeling like the door just slammed shut. Yeah, and just kind of left in a place where I didn't know where to go next. I had put my heart and soul into preparing for that year, and yeah. it wasn't enough. So how do I go from here? Um, and then of course that leads me into 
the maturing and realizing that it wasn't the physical things that I needed to be doing to prepare myself. It was mentally. Um, And that's where I realized that I was extremely weak. It doesn't matter how much weight I moved in that weight room. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. It didn't matter. Mentally, I was not I wasn't confident enough in myself and my abilities to actually showcase that. Wow. We're going to take a really quick break and we'll talk about that process of reflection that you went through and um, how you rebuilt. Um, Stay with us on Habitually Disruptive. What's up, peoples? It's Hera. I'm here, your 2021 Colorado Teacher of the Year. I forgot to say that at the beginning, and I have to make sure that people remember. Um, so I'm here with Lycan James of the Caledonia Pride near Edinburgh, Scotland. And um, we were talking about this moment of collapse that you experienced where you were benched, and that felt like it was it. There was a little bit of a spiral, and you mentioned right before the break that you felt that you were mentally weak. Talk a little bit about that. Cause those are strong words. Yeah. Um, well, first of all, I think like the first thing is in that moment and now, but that being able to admit that is like the biggest thing. Mm. Um, because I think during that uh, time period of that sophomore season, when I lost my starting spot, I didn't know that was the problem. And I was just more so just like, trugging along like yeah trying to get through trying to stay positive like practice 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 like go to the gym but again it had nothing to do with that um didn't matter how many how many free throws you take after practice didn't matter how many weights you lift no none of that mattered um so I wish I could say like my sophomore year I it clicked and I had it figured out but it, it wasn't that fast and it wasn't that easy. Um, so I kind of went through the rest of that season on this really negative spiral. Um, I could never get myself back in the flow. I could never like feel that confidence. Um, and then I actually had a blessing of interning for a company in green Bay. So one of my professors asked me, um, if I'd be interested and they were developing an app for athletes to train the mental side of the game. Oh wow! And I was like, I was like, this is pretty cool. You're like, what? And like, <laughs> yeah, I was like, this came from like a blessing from God. I was just like, this yeah. is perfect. But I would kind of was used as that like median between like the smart psychologist right. and like me. <laughs> so and, and, kind of and the real like, life of, of athletes. Cause I think absolutely. it's easy for those of us who are not like playing a sport every day of our, of our lives to be like, well, just like, let it, like, you just gotta be tougher. Like, and right. you know, you get into the, like the comment section of any NBA game and it's just kind of like, wow, y'all have some real strong opinions about what it takes to succeed in this game. <laughs> Absolutely. Exactly. So, yeah, I, I like to think that I played the like relatable athlete for the content that was being created. Yeah. Um, so at the end of the day, I was reading through this content wow. and editing it. So I'm just like digesting all this really great stuff. 
Um, yeah. And because of that, I, I kind of fell in love with all of it, the mental yeah. training side of everything. Um, so yeah. I started reading my own books, started doing my own research, doing, you know, all that because I was, I was like, dang, this is yeah. what I've been missing. <laughs> what, what were some of the, what, what were some of the books that you read that kind of like started to fill in those gaps for you? Yeah. One of my favorite is mind gym. Um, I feel like that's one that I look back on and I just remember like holding it close. <laughs> like this is wow. it. Like this is, yeah, this is the book for me. Um, yeah. yeah. But honestly, I was really thankful to be a part of that company and like help them grow, but then also just be digesting all that awesome information. Yeah. Um, this I mean, it's so fortuitous, right? It's like, it yeah. was what you needed when you needed it. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, I kind of spent my next summer focusing on all of that. And my junior year was a huge stepping stone year for me. Um, I, I got an opportunity to play more, which built more wow. confidence, but I got to yeah. play more because I was more confident. That's so, right. That's right. You know, yeah. where a lot of times <laughs> people the think thing. they'll flip it, right? They'll be like, yes. well, if I can get more playing time, then I'm going to feel better about myself. But if actually, if you are feeling better about yourself, then it'll actually lead you closer to the results you're going to get. Yeah, exactly. And as a kid, I mean, what was I 21 maybe at the time? It's like, that's not what I want to hear. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm like, put, <laughs> I'm like, put me in the game and I'll grow some confidence. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Like, no, <laughs> doesn't work that way. <laughs> yeah. Well, so, one question I do kind of have as, yeah. as you sort of talk about this, about this sort of turnaround that you experienced, um, what are some of the insights you have? So you talked about sacrifice, right? And you talked about how early in your, in your sport life, the sacrifices always were worth it. You sacrificed and got a D1 scholarship. You sacrificed and got into the starting lineup. And then you have this disruption in your trajectory. Um, what, what's some of the advice you have for folks who make the sacrifices and then it just doesn't work out and it's not even up to you. I mean, it makes me think of games where I'll watch a team just knock down threes in a ridiculous clip. And you're like, this is, this right. is, this is nuts. And you know, it doesn't like, it doesn't matter. It's like a make or miss sort of, you know, proposition. How do you, how do you front those things at this point, maybe differently than you did when you were a younger player? Um, so to me, the best way that I can put it, is that there's a huge difference between disappointment and regret. So what I would always tell myself is I have no problem feeling disappointment, but I never want to feel regret. So at the end of my journey, at the end of my story, if it doesn't turn out the way that I had hoped or anticipated, I'm going to be super disappointed. Yeah. But I'm not going to look back and be regretful because I'm going to know my whole heart and soul was put into it. Yep. So for me, I think that's the biggest thing to look at is the difference in those two words. Wow. No, that's deep. I'm having, I'm having a moment because I think it's something <laughs> that I, I I've said to, you know, and I, I, my, uh, particularly my girls soccer teams were always really successful, um, but we okay. only won one title. Right. And so, and we made it to the finals three different times. And there was one point after we lost the second time where they played really hard, they'd done everything they needed to do. And it was just a fluky play in the middle of a 70 minute game that ended up being the result. And I remember thinking to myself and saying to them later, I'm like, yo, if, if this hurts, it's because you cared. Like exactly. it's because this mattered to you. Like, would you rather not have something mad, have anything ever matter to you and never feel that pain or would you really feel would you prefer to really feel committed to something you work hard for it and you feel that like excitement this can happen we've done what we need to do and then just and then be disappointed at the end and that's that's what it kind of takes me back to but the difference between disappointment and regret for some that difference might seem a little academic so how would you define the difference between being disappointed and being regretful? Like what, what is different about those two things? Um, you may have already so, said it, but I want you to say it again. <laughs> no, it's okay. <laughs> it's no problem. Um, so I guess just for me, so if I look back, let's just say even my professional career, if I look back and I prepared the entire summer to go and sign with a team and 
maybe let's just say hypothetically, I'd never signed with a team. A team never called me. Yeah. I'm going to be super disappointed. Yeah. But I'm going to look back and be like, I know that I put all my effort into training this summer. I know like everything, like I'm going to sleep easy at night because Mm -hmm. I'm not going to regret any decision I made up until that point. I could still be disappointed, but I won't be regretful. Yeah. So it's kind of like, I, I, I did everything I could, um, given, given, given my life situation and given all this kind of stuff. Um, and if I can say that I get, if I did the best that I could, then there's no room for regret. It's just kind of like, yeah, of course I'm bummed, but I, you know, given where I was at that point in my life and what I was able to do, that's what I was able to do. Yes. And I imagine there's a lot of subjectivity when it comes to this world of um, trying to catch on to a team, right? Where you you almost have to just kind of tell yourself every single coach, every single scouting staff, they're human beings and they see some things and they miss other things. And at the end of the day, a person with a set of opinions makes a decision. Exactly. Exactly. You can't, you can't control like what decisions they'll make with their opinions and biases, right? Yes. Yeah. There's so much that's out of your control, especially in the professional world. Yeah. I mean, you, you have an agent, you have coaches, you have like GMs, you have what they're looking for. I can't grow to be six, five. If you don't yeah. need a point guard who's five, <laughs> five nine, yeah. I can't help that. <laughs> so it's like, yeah. there's things that are just strictly out of your control as well. So yeah. Wow, that's deep. Um, and that that whole thing is um, just it's it must be such a different world than than what you grew up doing, you know, playing in AAU and playing collegiate basketball. Like this, this is just different. Right. What's what's one yeah. like what are some of the ways that it's so dramatically different that people may not realize? Um, I would say for me, the biggest thing, like going from college to professional is it's a business. Um, I can look back at my experience in like Germany the last year. Um, I faced like a couple like minor injuries. Um, like I ended up spraining my ankle, which then of course you're compensating. So it leads to a hamstring, you know, you know how it goes. Right. And ankles, ankles and guards, man, that's, that's a scary. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) But it's like, at the end of the day, because of who I am, like I feel like loyal to the club and the team that is that I'm playing for. So I'm going to push through that kind of thing. Yeah. But then you have to realize as a professional, cause I would do that in college. Yeah. I would do anything for my teammates and my coach. Cause that's yeah. like, that's the loyalty of that, that team, like camaraderie. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But in the, in the professional world, it's different because I go ahead and I push through this season now, all of a sudden I have a little worse stats than anticipated mm-hmm. or that I'm capable of. Yeah. And at the end of the year, their loyalty isn't there. So you don't get resigned and now you're stuck with these bad stats. Yeah. So it's like, you kind of look and it's like, this is a business. Like yeah. you need to learn, like I need to take care of me. Yeah. And that mindset of that loyalty and that, that kind of goes out the window. Yeah. Um, it's a, and you just I'm, can't, you can't take it personally. Like it's kind of like they're making a business decision. Yes. And just like I would need to make a business decision to take care of my injuries before I'm back. Yeah. Um, So it's just, it's a different world than I'm used to because I'm just like, I don't think that way. I don't want to think that way, but well, you definitely don't play that way. Like that's the thing is that (laughs) you always bring the energy and you're always hustling and you're always doing that kind of thing. And so I think that, that kind of, like, I think people miss how, complex the existence of an athlete is especially like a professional athlete because on the one hand this is a job and you like it they they are your employer and they need to have you help them maximize their profitability um as as a business um but then on the other hand when you're out there on the floor with your teammates it 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 isn't always like that like there's camaraderie and there's obvious chemistry on your team like you seem to play well together. And so you're existing in both of those worlds at once. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's just something that you have to learn how to balance and juggle and learn as you go, really. Yeah. Speaking of learning as you go, 
Um, so this work that you did um, in the internship and kind of building up your mental fortitude and sort of the psychological part of the game has led you to a new, to another endeavor. And that is the five star Academy. So talk a little bit about why you decided to start five star Academy and why maybe it's different from what was available to you as a young athlete. Yeah. So, I mean, for obvious reasons, I really enjoyed the mental side of the game and I just, I feel and felt like this has always been something that we were missing in sports or just more of a focus on it. Yeah. Um, as young no, I mean, athletes, missing. I would say missing, yeah. you know, you <laughs> yeah, look okay. in some of the, and especially, you know, it's so rare. And I think one of the frustrating things that my daughter experienced was she played soccer for me, for me, the, the, what they call it in soccer coaching, the psychosocial side for me, that was always the most important thing. Um, yeah. And to have fun, even for losing 12 nil, like whatever, like they were little and all that kind of stuff. But yeah. as she went into other environments, it just wasn't a priority. And yeah, you know, she's younger than you. Like, so it's like one of yeah. those things. So, so yeah, so I just, I didn't, I didn't want to let that kind of, you know, I, I do feel like it's not a priority in American sports. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. But like, I think when being an athlete myself and going through many different levels, Mm-hmm. each level that I've been through is a different, there's a different need for that kind of thing. Yeah. Like when you're younger, a lot of it has to do like that high school age group. A lot of it has to do with just like your teammates and maybe the dramas and how do I handle this? How do I handle yeah. that? How do I, uh, I'm so afraid true. I don't fit in. I don't, I'm yeah. afraid, you know, and then you get to the college level and it's, oh my gosh, I can't breathe. This is so hard. Like, <laughs> yeah. like I'm, str- I'm drowning in schoolwork. I'm drowning. And like, oh, I think man. my coach hates me one day. Like <laughs> my coach hates me. My just... teammate hates me. My professor, my professors hate me. My roommate hates me. Right. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And then you go to sleep the next day and the next day it's fine. You know, it's just right. like that. <laughs> it's, there there's so many different aspects to mental yeah. training and I guess yeah. I just like me personally going through it I want to be able to create a community at the end of the day that's what five-star academy is going to be we're doing yeah. it right now but that's what we're going to be um yeah. right now we have so we call it a rising stars program and it's our mentorship and mental training program mm-hmm. so that's right now our focus is helping high school athletes through the mental side. So yeah. we talk about, and it, they sound so cliche yeah. and I'm not going to lie, but it's yeah. like, we talk about what it means to be a good teammate. We talk about setting goals. We talk about adversity. We talk about self-confidence. Like yeah. those, those topics are so yeah. important, but yet we don't actually take the time to focus on yeah. them. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So like, that's right now our main focus, but like I'm one person. So I want to be able to create an umbrella of college yeah. athletes to give their experience back down to the high schoolers. That's so dope. it's like, and I'm sitting at a professional level. So I've been through the high school level. So I mm-hmm. want to be able to give down to the college kids. Yeah. So it's just like a cycle. Um, so our saying is like role models, creating role models. So wow. for me, yeah, for me, that's, that's the vision because I want my high schoolers to be college athletes one day. Yep. And it's just like, building a community of people who really want the best for one another. And we're just here to help and guide and support. I mean, community is one of those things, right. That I think gets talked about in a lot of particularly youth sports environments, but when you squint to try to see where the ethos of community exists, it can be hard to see. Um, Yeah. And so it, it's unusual. And so it's unusual for folks. First of all, it's unusual for American coaches to even name community as a value on a team. Um, but then even when you name it, there's a praxis that has to come with it. And it sounds like that's what you're aspiring to. And, um, and what I think is also amazing is, so it is the case that you see leadership in all of these young athletes. It's not just for the one that plays the hardest or the one that's the loudest or the one that has the best skills, anybody can actually be a leader. And I hear you saying, giving back to the game as well. Absolutely. Um, That's one thing that I'm really passionate about. Wow. 
Wow. And so even if the game has committed harm at people in people's lives, as it did in yours at yeah. points, what does giving back to the game mean, even when there have been hurtful things that have happened to you? Honestly, I think it's because I really aspire to like help people reach their full potential. Yeah. So it's like even on that roller coaster ride, when you're down, there's going to be another up. And yeah. like, I just want to be able to help get them on that up. Yeah. Because I personally have realized and experienced coming up after yeah. I've been down and like yep. the beauty and like the self satisfaction in that and just the, the reward of it. Is it more satisfying to have seen the down and made it up than to just have everything go exactly the way you always wanted it to? <laughs> yes. I'm, I'm maybe... laughing folks. Like this is audio. I'm laughing, but, it, but, but like, and started answering that question before I was even done with it. <laughs> <laughs> like five seconds before. Yeah. No, but honestly, I think, I think that's why it's so special. And it's also why I'm so passionate in helping the next player, yeah. because if I would have, if I would have quit my sophomore year at Green Bay or not even necessarily quit, but like, you know, there's a mental quit as well. Mm -hmm. If I would have thrown the towel and just kind of sat behind and not like aspired Go to be through the motions and just exactly, like, okay, you can get through. Let me just, yeah. let me just pass my classes, <laughs> stay on the team and graduate. Yep, exactly. Let me collect my scholarship check and let me just get out of here. Yeah. But it's like, I'm now in my third year playing professionally. And like, I became a second, second team, all conference, yeah. like all academic team for my like conference. Like yeah. the things that I was able to accomplish because I didn't quit. Uh, like it's still like, I still get goosebumps thinking about like, yeah. how I'm close. Getting or, goosebumps. Like, <laughs> it's but it's just like the two different paths that could have like been taken. And it's just yeah. like, I want to make sure it's not always possible, but I want to help as many kids as I can make yeah. sure that they keep going. What a, what a powerful message, you know, to deliver to young people in a moment of crisis or a moment of just kind of that downness that you referred to to say, yeah, man, this is real tough. I've been here, but also wait till you see what's on the other side, <laughs> you <laughs> exactly. know, like, I think exactly. that's a really powerful statement to make. Um, so you said, so thir third year playing professional basketball, which is yes. super cool. Um, <laughs> your last game was your first one with fans again, right? Yes. Yes. So Yo. I haven't had fans since March, 2020. Yeah. That was the last time I played in front of fans. Wow. So yeah. Europe been has been very strict. Yes. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yes. Yeah. No, I feel like most places have been very strict at, except for this place, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, and some others, but yeah. So, I mean, so that's pretty exciting and, you know, you know, just watching your team play, watching you play, it's obvious that there is that mental toughness. It's there. Like, you know, I've, I've seen your team lose a lead, but you're still out there playing the same way. Yeah. Trying to make some stuff happen. And um, I, st I still think they need to let you bring the ball up a little bit more, but nobody asked me. <laughs> um, that's just, that's just, that's just my point of view. You got a tight handle and you got to let your ball handlers do their thing, but I'm just going to leave it at that. I don't want to cause yeah, we'll smoke. leave it there. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> All the Caledonia pride will be tuning in. That's right. Yeah, I mean, everyone tuning in saying, "Yo, what, what, what's up with what that dude said?" Like, that's not right. Um, <laughs> or maybe he's right. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I think it's important to reflect a little bit. I don't know. Like, what do you guys think? <laughs> so, awesome. um, well, we're gonna wrap up here in a second, but, but, um, but before we get into that, we got this little segment we do on habitually disruptive and that segment is called top five anything and so Lakin, you've had um you know maybe half an hour to think about this um <laughs> what is time. your top <laughs> yes plenty of time and again this is that mental flexibility right that you're in the moment right. what are you going to decide so what is your top five so I decided because I have been lucky enough to be quite well traveled. I'm going to do the top five places that I've ever been. Nice. Um, first one is I'm going to say Prague, which is in the Prague. Czech Republic. Yes. Yep. I hear Prague is dope. 
It is. It's completely underrated. It's yeah. amazing. I don't know why, yeah. but <laughs> Wait, well, I, I really don't. Gotta say a little bit of why though. <laughs> like... Okay. Um, it's really, it's really the vibe. Like when you're there, okay, vibes, are just so, yes. like, the vibes are good. Yeah. Vibes are good. Okay. Um, so that's my first one. My second one is going to be, uh, Oahu, Hawaii. Okay. Um, I did crazy hiking there and Again, maybe I'm stuck on a vibe thing, but between the mountains and the ocean, it was surreal. I mean, I moved um, that we actually renamed this top five, the Lake and James's top five vibiest places. Like, I feel like that might be a good way to, to do it. We'll put an asterisk. We we're yes. going to put an asterisk on that one. That's good. <laughs> the vibes are strong. And yeah, yes. and and your your Instagram is super fun because there are all these like beautiful places that like you were in Spain a few days ago, right? Or like I was. Uh, yeah, we had an off weekend. <laughs> yeah, you're like, I'm going to Spain. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, I, I'm sorry if I gave away one of your top five, but go ahead. <laughs> no, 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 it's okay. Um, but the third one that I would say is Rome, Italy. And the story with that one is I went seven days before they closed their borders um, because of COVID. Wow. So I was in Rome, Italy with a teammate basically by ourselves. So we were in the Coliseum by ourselves. We were in like, wow. The so people had city. kind of already pulled back on travel. Oh yeah. Like, wow. Yeah. Italy yeah. was a little late to the game. No shade, Italy, a little yeah. late to the game and shutting things down. <laughs> well, they were, yeah, they were the first hot spot. So that's why everyone oh, was like, yep. yeah. So everyone was like, really like avoiding it. And that, was that my eerie? teammate and that must I, have been like super eerie. Crazy. Like wow. it looked like you were watching one of those movies with like zombies or something, oh, right? No. Like, <laughs> yeah, like this like, is great. And also, <laughs> now I'm actually terrifying. kind of scared. What is coronavirus? So yes, so that was just a crazy cool experience i guess being in rome by ourselves yeah um and then the fourth one i would say i'm back in italy and i'm in an island uh off of the coast i was in sicily oh yeah heard of that (laughs) yes and that one was just absolutely gorgeous the weather was phenomenal oh i can and just yeah just really really cool and then for my last one i would say frankfurt germany it okay. was the home of my very first team. Yeah. And the, the city's very nice, but I think I just like, I just twinkle even like thinking about like the people that I met there and the experience that I had. And it was, yeah, one of my favorite places. So I love this top five. I've not been to <laughs> any of these places. So I'll have to have to find a way. Hawaii yes. seems the most doable at this point, but also <laughs> also this coronavirus thing seems like it's still pretty serious in some places. But, I know, I know it is. But um, no, that that's amazing. Well, I, I say that the vibes are strong with this top five. I think this is a very vibey <laughs> top five. And I yeah, thank you. <laughs> um, so how do people follow you, learn from you? Are there ways they can support Five Star Academy, that kind of stuff? Like to give, give us all of the things. Okay. Um, well, my personal uh, social medias on Instagram and Twitter is Lake and James five. So I'll keep that easy for you. Um, and then same thing actually for five star Academy, it's at five star Acad. So it's just ACAD. Yep. Um, Start so typing find... it will show up people. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> or if you find my page, you're going to find the five star Academy yep. tagged with it. So um, so definitely that, um, as far as again, five-star Academy, we have a website, so it's at www.fivestaracad.com. Uh, um, so super easy again. Um, and from there it's, you can check out our services. We do camps that are all incorporated with our mental training aspects. We do, uh, individual sessions. Uh, right now I'm doing quick confidence calls with high school athletes because I'm in Scotland. So it's like, if they just want someone to chat with that's outside of their circle, we yep. provide that. That's great. Um, but then honestly, my, our big hitter is our rising stars program. Yeah. And that's just using all of our stars curriculum and really making sure that we have our every other week meetings with our athletes, making sure that they're doing okay. We talk about the lessons they're reading about. Yeah. It's pretty special. And but yeah, that's kind of, that's yeah. everything that we got. And is it all in person or do you do virtual activities as well? 
most of it is actually virtual. Um, most of it's virtual. Our rising, okay. Yep. Our, our rising stars program is completely virtual. Um, I actually have an athlete that's in Germany. Wow. So you're yeah, like, yo, so, in there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. So yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, an opportunity to work with kids from everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. No, this is great. So uh, <laughs> she, she is liking James. Also, you can watch the Caledonia Pride on YouTube. Um, and I'm going to link that in the episode. I'm going to link the YouTube channel so you can check out games. Perfect. Lakin is number 55. Um, so, you know, let, let's see if we can get Lakin her own, uh, sort of her own little fan, like, you know, fan club. Like we can all just like be rocking our 55s and like, you know, cheering you on from wherever we are in the world. Um, Lakin, thank you for this work. Uh, it's so important. Um, first the vulnerability to, to, to just be so transparent about the struggles that you experienced and, you know, the willingness to tackle it for yourself and to say, I'm going to see if I can actually do something with this and shout out to yeah. the folks who provided that support and to that, um, you know, that opportunity for you, because it does, it does seem really fortuitous. It seems like there was a plan yeah. <laughs> uh, to kind of get you in that space and then paying it forward uh, to young athletes, like as the parent of a young athlete who did walk away from the game. Um, I, I just have so much respect for, the work that you're doing, it may have been different um, if if there had been a five-star academy near us or if we knew about it at that point. So thank you for being on Habitually Disruptive. And uh, when's your next game? We play on February 20th. All so right. That's our next Saturday game. Saturday the 20th. Check it out on YouTube, yes. y'all. Um, yes, absolutely. Folks, and if you want to follow Habitually Disruptive, we are under the umbrella of Two Dope Productions, um, along with Two Dope Teachers and a Mic and the Exit Interview, uh, Habitually Disruptive streams every week or two, depending on whether my doctoral program is trying to kill me that week. Um, so that's that's a thing. But you can follow us at Two Dope Teachers on Instagram and Twitter, as well as Facebook. Um, if you want to visit our website, uh, that's where you can find all of the previous episodes, twodopeteachers.com. And if you have show ideas or feedback, you can send us an email, twodopeteachers at gmail.com. If you like the content that you're getting, feel free to support us on Patreon for as little as $5 a month. You can help us keep the lights on patreon.com slash twodopeteachers. I'm Gerardo Munoz. She's liking James. And we are habitually disruptive.